coming up. What an excellent day for stairs. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 72 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Kinderman walking around at the bottom of those famous stairs. And it ends with Carl walking down some stairs. Yes, it truly is an excellent day for stairs once again on The Exorcist Minute. These stairs, I tell you, we got we got ascending, we got descending. But okay, let, yeah, let's get back to the top of this minute, um, uh, which, as we said, actually takes place at the bottom of those famous stairs. We got Kinderman walking around down there, and I just want to say at the very top of this first shot, some movies do a really good job of making something that is really gross mm-hmm. and really disgusting in real life look somehow beautiful. Right. Am, am I am I crazy? Like You are this, not crazy. I know okay. exactly what you mean. Yeah. This, this is grimy and gross and Yeah. This nasty little corner of Washington, <laughs> right? With the red brick wall over here and the graffiti and the gross stained steps and the weeds and that bucket what the hell's in that bucket but keenan i don't i don't know what it is it, like like there's something about how like the filth and the grime of cities are, is portrayed on screen that is somehow like mesmerizing specifically like east coast filth <laughs> that's a great uh, bad name yes yeah. east coast filth yeah, yeah. yeah i co- i you know i i uh, i was the drummer for east coast filth yeah um but no it's like i'm thinking like new york new jersey washington right that mm-hmm. crowded crumbling uh, brick huddled alleys with the, with the metal trash cans and the spray paint right there's some there's something there like I live in LA and LA is a big city, but it's just a dump, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. It, no, no. It's, it's not the same. I think I, <laughs> I think we have like the, the largest proportion of our, of our listeners is in LA. So, <laughs> so hello. Terrible, terrible place. Fellow Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like what I'm trying to say is, is it's not the same, right? I think because they tried to make it look nicer, right? Like right, it's, uh-huh. it's more spread out. It's more sunny. They got palm trees, but it still smells like pee. <laughs> like, like folks, the Hollywood Walk of Fame is not oh. what it's like in pictures, right? The pictures don't give you the smell of the place, right? And sure, that's, don't and go that, to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. No, 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 no <laughs> right? Um, and that's different from like an East Coast big city, right? LA is, okay, there we go. LA is pretentious. Yes. It's it's like a hipster that doesn't believe in bathing. <laughs> New York mm-hmm. just owns it. It's like this is fucking New York, right? <laughs> right. If you don't like it, you can't make it here. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make it anywhere. Exactly, right? <laughs> well, like you, uh, I like this quote. I'm trying to pull it up so I have this from Faulkner. <laughs> Everything in Los Angeles. Hold on, wait, wait, it's Faulkner. Hold on. Everything in Los Angeles is too large, too loud, and usually banal in concept. The plastic asshole of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. The plastic asshole of the Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me, right? I like that you say it's pretentious. They're trying to pretend that it's not. And if you go downtown, like to downtown Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. it it is empty, Right, uh-huh. like there's not mm-hmm. a lot of people walking around, even though they've got these giant, um, these giant skyscrapers and everything. So yeah, it feels yeah. like like it's pretending to be a city, right? It's like you're on a movie set, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, like like I don't know, I don't know what it is about New York, and New York is like, like by all accounts, like it's 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 dirtier. Sure, but at the same time, it, I don't know. Stephen King fans will know uh, this book series called The Dark Tower, and it's about this, um, I guess, this uh, uh, reality-jumping cowboy who uh, possesses uh, one of the other characters, and he's like – but in his own world, he's like sick and dying, and he needs Mm -hmm. some food, right? Right. And this character lives in New York, so he goes and he he grabs some stuff, and he's like – and he's thinking about it. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy's from another world. What if if this stuff, uh, you know, kills him? Mm -hmm. And and this this – dimensional portal jumping cowboy is like, Hey, don't worry about that. I've eaten worse things. I've eaten bugs that still, you know, wriggled all the way down Uh. my throat. And this New York guy is like, he, he caps it all off by saying, yeah, but this is New York. (laughs) 
And I like if if anything summed up right, like just just what New Yorkers think of New York, mm-hmm. and and how they kind of like wear it as as like a badge of pride. At also, it's like this right. love hate relationship of like this place is a dump, but it's our dump, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do that in LA. LA. You're not allowed to say LA is a dump, right? I'm committing a, a sin, right, by saying this, <laughs> right? You're supposed to pretend that it's right. all avocado toast and and <laughs> and you know sunshine and all that stuff. Well, I think part of it is there there are outstandingly beautiful, maybe maybe not neighborhoods, but blocks of Los Angeles, right? Mm, <laughs> like true. there are there are places you could be there and like, wow, I I am I am I am here. I have made it. This is this is incredibly gorgeous. But then, um, like unlike in New York, where where the neighborhoods are far apart and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of variety to them but like um in la like you can go a block away from you know a beautiful corner in beverly hills and then be in a terrible neighborhood yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah going back to going back to washington which i have i have never been to but um i actually plan on, on going there soon and i want to i want to visit these steps right? great city great city yeah um now like but like if you just showed me this shot with kinderman by this like nasty red brick wall Mm -hmm. right and i had never seen the exorcist i would think that this was like mr mushnick from little shop of horrors Uh and he's about to sing like skid row right or something (laughs) like that that at karaoke yeah Uh oh really oh (laughs) and yes folks i know mushnick doesn't sing that song in the show i know okay (laughs) a lot of other people sing it (laughs) a lot of other people right he doesn't sing it though but to my to my point Folks, go watch the movie version of Little Shop uh, with with Rick Moranis and watch the Skid Row song and just look how nasty and dirty and beautiful that mm-hmm. set is. And, and yes, folks, that is a set, right, folks? But like, like, look at the attention to detail, just how grimy and gross it looks. I don't know. Like, I think I'm I'm crazy because I'm the only person who's who's uh, like, wow, that looks cool. But like, I, I would I would call that set a beautiful set mm-hmm. that they built and i would call this shot in our movie the exorcist uh, a beautiful shot keenan uh, dr keenan psychi- <laughs> psychiatrist keenan keenan help me out here like diagnose me like am no, i nuts no you are not nuts i think this mm-hmm. is great so there this this shot we have all this grime in it but also what we have is this clash of of different lines and different shapes and different colors right it doesn't mm. fit together right. Uh, right so it's got high contrast to it so there you know these this is a real place um mm. And so just naturally, architecturally, right, we had two different architects who had two different ideas of what should be in this corner, <laughs> right? And they they haven't, like, tried to make it match, which is something that, like, they do in Los Angeles or Las Vegas or something. They try to make it right. match, and then you feel how fake and inauthentic it is, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. this is, like, two different parts of the neighborhood growing and converging, and they have different ideas of what should be here. And mm. the stairs are, you know, designed probably not by um, a, an architect of either building, but by the municipality, probably. Oh, yeah. And just put there for, like, and foundation. <laughs> <laughs> right and they're just put there like like for function like we need to yeah. get from here to there and so like it, it's not designed to look pretty or anything like that right right and then something that's weird going off to the side of the stairs that mm-hmm. i i hadn't really noticed before we're looking minute by minute what is this other line of of bars like like they're kind of um you know uh dented is that to like keep people from falling off the stairs or something like a like a catch-all well if that's what it is it doesn't work <laughs> 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 it's something else there to the side, yeah. Is it bent metal or is it like um like rubber or plastic that's drooping or or what is it even? Yeah. And it must just be there because yeah, the people were dropping stuff down the stairs or something or Yeah, you're right. It it, it almost looks like <laughs> like um well, Keenan, obviously, these are these are the stairs for the cats. <laughs> Oh, don't get me started on building stairs for the cats. That's what I, I know I need to do that. I'm so, I'm so, you know, um, you were talking about how, how you make vision boards and your, and, and I have mm-hmm. sort of the opposite because I'm, I'm just sort of a, a negative person where I'm like, you know, I resent <laughs> what I, what I see. I, I resent, I, I covet what I see, but I'm resentful like Jamie Gum from Silence of the Lambs. Right? Ah, I see, so, I see. so like, yeah, covets. I see. <laughs> Right. So like when I see these, there's a guy who um, who has a room just for his cats Mm -hmm. and he redesigns the uh, the stairs, you know, the 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 little shelves he puts up for the cats. Like Mm -hmm. every week there's a new TikTok video where he unscrews and undrills like there would be a a carpet swatch that the the cat can can climb up and everything. Every week it's a video about how he's redone it. And it's a new like maze for the cat. So the cat never gets bored of of his old maze. Yeah. And it just makes me feel like shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> my cat has to sit on the same couch every day. <laughs> well, why would that make you feel like shit? I mean, because I, I know what's possible. Like the cat doesn't know what's possible. I know what's possible. Yeah. Hey, whatever that cat doesn't know. <laughs> Which is most things he can't. Which is read. most things, right? <laughs> he watches TV, but but doesn't. I don't think understand <laughs> what's mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. on. Right, right. But but yeah, I, I, I. It makes me feel terrible. Meanwhile, he's rating our 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 show one star now. He's like, <laughs> I understand. I, he doesn't understand words. He understands tone. So he wow, certainly okay. knows like when he's being talked about. Mm. <laughs> right, right, but there's this there's this clash of styles there. Like mm-hmm. the um the art director and production designer on on the first Tim Burton Batman movie, right? Like they were looking at like putting up purposefully like not not that the buildings themselves are ugly mm. but like their 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 proximity to each other and all these different styles it was going to be ugly like right. art deco versus spanish or, or gothic or any of these things and they'd be pretty on their own but not mixed together which is you know yeah what really happens in cities yeah when you're planning a city you're probably planning more here i here i go talking about city planning something <laughs> i know everything about um but no, I imagine you're 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 looking at like uh, zoning, and you're looking mm-hmm. at like geography, and you're looking at um, you know uh, proximity and, and and things like that, and capacity um, and, and and durability of the buildings and everything. But like like who's who's looking at style, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. looking at style. Nobody's looking at uniformity or whatever. Or or maybe they are. Maybe I'm just being stupid. No, but um, when they when they do, it feels it feels tyrannical, right? Because you're talking about like yeah. oh, everybody for the next ten years in this certain radius can only do this, and that's mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. You know, that ob- has obvious downsides to it. You got just like rows and rows and rows of these weird gray slate, um, <laughs> you know, la- uh, skyscrapers and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? With with statues of uh, uh, of, of, of Friedkin on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Saying pain is temporary. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Lester. You were there. Mm. I, was, I was trying to remember the story. Then I just remembered you were there. Oh, <laughs> and I was there and yeah. I was there. <laughs> No, so there was there was a guy that I was interested in. We were sort mm-hmm. of, and may, maybe not dating. If he's listening, I'm sorry. We were not dating. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but there's wait. There was does a, he know you were not dating? I mean, or like, is he getting that news right now? No, I mean, we we you know we you know you know we had been in date ish situations. But I, okay. just, just if he's listening, which he's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just so we're clear, I, I yeah we weren't dating. We weren't okay. You know. um, but sorry, you had to find out about this in this way. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I don't go around claiming him as one of my boyfriends or something, but you know. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so so he was at the he, we were at a New Year's party, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was at a, a hotel suite, and mm-hmm. they had they had books everywhere, and I mm-hmm. opened the book because I it, like I said at parties. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of flirting with anybody or like hanging out with people, I just sit in the corner. So I read this book. <laughs> And it was a book of, of photographs, and it had one of my favorite photographs in it, which mm. is a wide photograph of a ninety-nine cent store. Mm. Uh, do you remember this photo? <laughs> I don't. Oh my gosh! Anyway, so so I go and say, hey, and I, I bring the guy around, like, hey, I, I want to show you this book. It's one of my favorite photos, and mm. it's this ninety-nine cent store, and it's got rows of like. Um, of different colors, you know, it's all striped, you know, candy, the candy aisle and the, mm-hmm. and the detergent aisle, et cetera. And it's like this mismatch of all these beautiful colors. But, you know, when you look, we look widely and, and it's got a big, a big thing that says like, you know, 99 cents only. And it's very commercial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you were there uh-huh. <laughs> and you said that you'd shown this to some of your students overseas to show them what America looked like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe you have some, I don't know, maybe you don't remember this photo anymore. It's coming back. But... <laughs> I'll find the photo. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and then, and the guy said, yeah, it's disgusting. And I went, no, no, I think it's really beautiful. And he mm. he got, and then you were telling him about how, oh, yeah, yeah, like it's about like order in, you know, order and chaos and like all these different, you know, colors and aesthetics, et cetera. And here I looked it up. I the, said all of those smart things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I looked it up. It's by Andreas Gursky and it's in the Broad right now in LA. So it's a very famous photo. And I think it's a beautiful photo. And the guy got so embarrassed. And maybe that's why we never dated. <laughs> because he said that he said that this photo and I, you know, I think it can be many things, right? Like mm-hmm. something can be beautiful and disgusting. You know, it's about commercialism. Um, and, and it's about it's about a bunch of things. It's about commercialism, but also about aesthetics. And, you know, that's the that's the value of art. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that's how I, I again, um, messed up flirting at a party. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing this guy <laughs> yeah yeah um but 
Yeah. So our detective, mm-hmm. Detective Kinderman, he reaches the bottom of those stairs and we cut as he looks up. He's he's looking up the length of the stairs. Yeah. And, we, and again, look at that contrast behind him, too. We have two different patterns of, of sidewalk area, right? Like a checkered board and then these big slates. So even then, like – and that's gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of focus. But it's it's it should be contrasty and icky, but it, it, it is a gorgeous shot. Yeah, no, no, no. And it's like even it's fading into uh, blurriness as mm-hmm. uh, like the farther we go, right? But right. like up right by like his his arm down in the bottom right corner, it's like nice and sharp, right? Mm-hmm. So you can see those are definitely, you know, cobblestones, right? Right. Those will, those will really hurt if somebody, you know, falls down those steps and lands <laughs> on them, right? Right. And this recalls a shot from Psycho with an, with our hmm. detective character in Psycho. I don't remember what uh-huh. happens to him. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, like, doesn't he fall down the, the he stairs? He gets stabbed in the fucking eye. <laughs> yeah, oh, he gets Jesus. stabbed and falls down the stairs. Yeah, and falls exactly. stairs, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's sort of recalling. I don't know how conscious that is. You know, I don't mm. think this is a movie where we like make homages, like like a Tarantino movie, right? Yeah, but like yeah. that that reminds me of the of the shot, right? Of yeah. Detective, well, um, I mean, Detective Arbogast versus Detective Kinderman, right? Right. I mean, well, I mean, there is that like in in the uh, hypnotism scene, the the hypnotist mm-hmm. kind of goes down. Like we got the camera oh, yeah. right, like right, mounted right, right. on his uh, on his stomach, right? right. As he's, as that's he's falling down. a lot like the Detective Arbogast uh, shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we cut from there and. We got him uh, looking up the stairs, and mm-hmm. this is this is his uh, this is his POV. Am I right? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, uh, but but this image is actually closer to what I was talking about, like way, 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 way back when we uh, first met Chris, and she was looking up at the attic. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember, mm-hmm. I was talking about like. Uh, like I wanted it more to be like this, right? Like like this shot is still a little bit off center, but it looks more menacing, mm-hmm. like. Like you might get swallowed up by those stairs, right? right. Like I, I know we're going up, but it almost looks like there's there's more danger of you falling up those steps, mm-hmm. right? Like may, maybe it's the triangles here. Like you can you can see like that that uh, the railing starts far away at the top of the screen, and it just like rushes at you, like nah, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. And the the horizon, we could see the horizon, but it's almost mm-hmm. like oh, you have to strain to see the sky as you're looking. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, the way yeah. up. It's like it's like um, like seven percent. Uh, down the frame right it's like right, most right. of the frame is is just you'd climb and climb forever and never right right it's all stairs oops all stairs i was doing the turtles all the way down but oh, like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, both of those work yeah <laughs> that's what that's what we'll call that that minute right when he falls down this was like oops all stairs <laughs> okay but uh yeah so we cut from there to uh chris tucking Reagan in mm-hmm. and I noted it's uh, it's very dark in mm-hmm. the room here um uh, we have we ever seen the room this dark and then and then I thought of course we have right right Chris has gone in there at night before but I think it got me because this is the daytime mm-hmm. and it's dark you know you know what I mean like I don't, I don't think we've seen it this dark during the day yeah so I'm not a cinematographer but cinema, so if a cinematographer is listening correct me if I'm wrong and I'm sorry for simplifying cinematography but mm-hmm. in general uh, night shots uh, are not actually brighter or darker than day shots they have higher contrast ratios. Hmm. And that sort of mimics the way that we see things at night. So like there will be bright slivers of, you know, of of brightness um, Mm -hmm. and they'll be dark all the way dark. Right. But when Mm -hmm. you have the average of them, the bright spots and the and the dark spots, they're not necessarily brighter or darker than a day shot. Yeah, but it's the it's the ratio between where the black is black is and where the white is white is on on that tone. So this one, yeah, this one, I would say does even feel darker than uh, some of our night shots, because Mm -hmm. like, as you look, there's like, what's the brightest thing here? It's not particularly bright compared to some of the brightest uh, elements that we would have in the in the night scenes in the same space. So like it's Chris's shoulder, I guess. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's not particularly bright. Right. It it looks like it, it gives me the feeling that like because she's sick, because she she's uh kind of like being taken care of, like somebody like probably Carl like went in and just like shut all the uh the curtains and everything mm-hmm, like yeah. that. Like like you can tell that it's daytime, there's light coming in from outside, but it's being stifled right. in mm-hmm. this way. Right. Yeah. We could have um, light. We could have, you know, happiness. Yeah. <laughs> We've chosen not to because it's Carl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with Reagan's condition. It's no, just no, his no. aesthetic, right? <laughs> There's too much happiness in this room. <laughs> happiness is is, uh, is bad for the little girl's health. <laughs> she will get disappointed later in life. 
<laughs> Best to keep it to a concentrated <laughs> well of sadness. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say things like, sleep tight, little girl. He just says, sleep, little girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not good night, just... Nighttime, little girl. <laughs> you will not be able to control whether the big bugs bite or not. <laughs> so best not to worry about it. You know you have a finite number of sleeps in your life. <laughs> and, and this is just one more. One, one less. <laughs> <laughs> But he closes that door and he walks back down the hall. Is like, it's like thinking that that what he said was just like loving and tender. Right, exactly. and, you know, <laughs> God, I love her. <laughs> yeah, they grow up so fast, and then they die. Um, you know, Inside Out, the uh, the Pixar yeah. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's such an interesting sort of breakdown because in in Riley at the at the beginning of the movie she is controlled mm-hmm. by joy joy is the captain mm-hmm. and then there mm-hmm. also is sadness disgust fear and anger right mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. see a glimpse into Riley's mother's head and mm-hmm. sh- and she is controlled by sadness with the other mm-hmm. four being like the, the the captain of her is sadness and then we see yeah. in the father's head and his captain is anger right yeah. and then we see like the cats in the world are mm-hmm. are captained by fear <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right and so like i've thought about that recently like in my family like i am I am sadness. My dad is sadness. My mother mm-hmm. is anger. My sister is disgust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my brother is fear. I think Mark is fear. Right? And I hope, I, you know, I hope it's not like, you know, this might sound more insulting than like the Harry Potter houses, but it's kind of the same thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? But it is my like hurt you at a deep level. <laughs> I'm a member of house sadness. Oh, geez. Well, now you've given me this thing to think about. Hmm. Yeah, we should think about that. But like, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, that's Carl. <laughs> that's Carl. Well, I was I was going to say, like, and if we go into Carl's head, mm-hmm. you have you have sadness, fear, anger, uh, disgust, disgust, and joy. joy and right? they're all just kind of like like in the corner. And you have <laughs> like at, at the helm, you just have a smaller version of Carl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you go into that head, it's the same thing. And it's just like an infinite number where it's just Carl at the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I said my brother was fear. I think he's joy, and Mark is fear. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, like, yeah. Chris is normally Reagan is joy normally. Yeah, definitely. Pazuzu is joy. Yeah, oh yeah. He's a, oh, see, see, folks, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna uh, uh, get a get a different flavor of joy, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, who else do we have here? Um, Karis and Marin. Oh. Um, Karis would be sadness. Karis is sadness. Marin yeah. is not disgust. He's, he's no. Sort of, no, not anger. Yeah, maybe he's a fear. Yeah, but fear of I don't know. Maybe not being able to complete his task. Right. Sure. And that's like yeah. that's his his the core of him. Right. Is that right. fear? Right. He's got a because because the whole the whole prologue is him like wrestling with that premonition that like he's going to have to like he's reaching the end of his life. He's he's saying his goodbyes and everything. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, see, folks, if if you were ever wondering, like, when are they going to mix the Pixar movie Inside Out into the 1973 Exorcist? Here you go. Here we go. Minute 72, where we're looking up some stairs. I'm tucking in a little girl in a dark room. So, you know, speaking of our little girl and what's going on inside of her head. Oh, my gosh. Actually. (laughs) Has it all been just replaced? Like, is everybody just got a Captain Howdy face now? (laughs) Yeah. And they've got an anger Captain Howdy. Time of their goddamn lives. Oh, it's a party in there. Um, But yeah, so so back to our darkened room. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Reagan looks conked out. Mm -hmm. She looks done. Right. Like she looks like she's having the sleep that I can only dream of. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm like, I'm such a light sleeper. I, I would kill to. Have, <laughs> yeah, I would. I would throw somebody out of a window to have that kind of sleep um, that she's having right now. And yeah, Chris is is touching her in this way. Um, or does she even touch her? It's it's almost like her hand hovers for a second. Like she wants to touch her. Does she actually make contact? I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. It, well, whatever it is, uh, that that actually kind of speaks to like what is in my daughter's bed right now. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't even know if I want to touch it. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, whatever it is, uh, it, it, Chris is very hesitant, right? Like, like maybe she doesn't want to wake her mm-hmm. and, um, it's here. I get a sense of the rift that is growing between them, right? It's almost like she's afraid to touch her own daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can think, oh, she's, she's gently caressing her forehead, but no, it's almost like she's afraid. It's, it's like she wants to soothe her daughter to comfort her or, um, to just have contact with her, but she no longer can. Reagan, Reagan is out of her reach, even though she's literally right there. Um, now, real quick, her hands aren't yet tied, are they? No. No. Okay. Of course not. Um, but, but yeah, she's got both her hands up in the position that they will be when oh, yeah. they're tied, right. right? Like, folks, did you notice? Like, like, sort of like she's doing like, like the strongman flex pose thing, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we cut from there to a close up of the hands, and it looks like Chris has discovered something. Um, now, can I say, this took me all the way back to our opening scene in Iraq mm-hmm. with uh, with Father Marin, our, our man in khakis, right? As as he's digging and he suddenly senses something and he reaches into that hole, right? And we, the audience, are like peering in and we're inching closer to the screen, like craning our necks because we want to see uh, 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 that thing as well, right? Like what 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 is Father Marin found? What is it, right? Yeah, I'm nodding vociferously, which you can't see on the podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. Mm, mm, mm. And we're like, what is it? Right. And I got the same like, don't vibe Don't touch here. it, but please touch it. And oh God, yes, exactly. It? Right. Like, <laughs> don't go into that room where the killer is, but also kind of go, go into that room. It'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got all this popcorn, you know. <laughs> yeah. I bought my, I bought my ticket already. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got the same vibe here as, as Chris is moving Reagan's hand and she's reaching into the darkness of the bed and we're like, what is it? What is it? And it's across. Mm-hmm. Across and from where? Across. Ac- ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I-, <laughs> I just got that. Folks, uh, yeah. Oh, that's it. We've said that joke before on. Like, yes, uh, we've done that joke before. Yes. Ah. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, so not only that, I didn't, I didn't even remember this, Keenan. She pulls it out mm-hmm. and shows it to the camera mm-hmm. and it's upside down, oh. right? Like in my mind's eye, I remembered this scene and mm-hmm. the big scare, the big reveal is that it's a cross right. in her non-religious daughter's bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one, yeah, one more thing that could possibly be like feeding her psychosis. Like, oh no, this is where she's getting all these ideas mm-hmm. about possession. Someone in the house is, is enabling my daughter's illness with all this Catholic imagery and, and, and make no mistake, folks. I think, I think that is what's going on mm-hmm. in Chris's head right here, right? That's that's the big like dun, 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 right? right? The discovery of this cross under Reagan's pillow, right? Like I said in the previous minute, this is happening at the same time as she's remembering the conversation with the doctors at Behringer Clinic, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's intercutting between her reading the witchcraft book and finding the crucifix and the doctors basically saying, are you religious? Is your daughter religious? She might be acting in this way because she read something somewhere. She picked up some religious ideas, mm-hmm. right? Keep all that stuff away from her. Otherwise, it's just going to feed into her like condition. And then boom, crucifix under the pillow, right? Yeah. Can we talk about the uh, upside down mm-hmm. cross imagery? I don't know if you've – I haven't prepped for this. You haven't prepped for this, I think. But, mm-hmm, <laughs> but just, mm-hmm. just because, yeah, that, that hadn't occurred to me, right, that it's an upside down yeah. cross which scares right. people right that's yes. a very scary sort of feeling um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the the upside down cross is uh is often used in regards to um uh, peter right saint peter yes. simon mm-hmm, peter mm-hmm. um who is traditionally thought of as the first pope um mm-hmm. so he was he in in christian tradition he was crucified upside down as, yes. a, as a way of not making him a martyr the way that jesus's right side up crucifixion had happened like as a way right. to punish saint peter for being the apostle um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Christians took that upside down cross as a symbol of his particular martyrdom. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. But then, of course, if you're not if you're not in that tradition, an upside down cross, it makes sense why um, why people would associate that with antichrist imagery or right. like, um, you know, goths and rock music people like like how rebellious it seems to cross, you know, to turn the cross upside down. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like. It's an actual Christian Catholic image, but it yes. is a convenient um, anti-Christian image. So, like, depending on the context, it could either be a reverent or an irreverent image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so so back to, to finding this cross, right? Um, so in the book, like, that's the big, like, oh, shit moment, mm-hmm. right? Like, someone in my house is, like, maybe trying to do good, but, they're, you know, they're actually hurting my daughter, right? 
That being said, I like that Friedkin or the cinematographer made the choice for her to pull out and present it to the camera upside down. Mm -hmm. Right. Like just a little visual hint that, you know, things are not right. Because mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, can you imagine? Right. Like she she pulls it out from under the, the pillow and it's right side up to us, the viewers. Could that possibly send like a mixed message? Because like we're watching a movie called The Exorcist. The priests are the good guys. Right. Christ is the good guy. The power of Christ. I mean, like we don't know about that part yet, but we've seen the priests. We've seen the way uh, that that they act and they are the good guys. And then Chris finds this right side up cross under the pillow. You know, I, I think it would be confusing. Like, oh, is someone looking out for her? Like, have the priests already been here? Right. You know, something like that. Oh, I see that. That what that Karis has put it there or something like that. Or? Yeah. Right. And and like, even though they haven't met yet, like it was like, oh, it was like Reagan has like a little guardian angel or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, um, it's like, could that be the reason that Friedkin or Roisman, you know, uh, that's that's the cinema, cinematography. Oh, and right? Roisman, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of them having the idea, like, let's have it be upside down for the shot, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I really like that. Almost, almost like this subliminal hint. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, in in the script here, I don't know what it says in the book because I'm I'm a mm-hmm. wuss. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> in the script, the crucifix that she pulls out is made of white bone. Hmm. Um, I don't know what that is about. I don't know if you had anything on that. Yeah, in the book, it doesn't say anything about what it's made out of. Well. Glad he wanted it to be made of white bone. <laughs> Interesting. I, I don't know what that means, but I was like, I yeah. If I recall, and and you know, folks can correct me on this, but mm-hmm. if I recall, it doesn't it 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 doesn't mention the material in the book, mm-hmm. and he didn't get what he wanted in, in the screenplay either. Poor Glad. Um, yeah, poor Glad. <laughs> People just not listening to him. Yeah, but this is also a moment where we're supposed to. So unlike like the sort of tenderish moment where Chris is tending to to Reagan, and then she actually finds this thing in the screenplay, mm-hmm. it's called out that what is happening here is. Carl and Sharon and Chris together um, mm. tying Reagan to the bed and and hooking her mm. up with a nasogastric feeding tube. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so this so so here it is meant to be that they're they're yeah, they are strapping her in like they're ready for they're getting ready for some kind of other procedure and yeah. and like protecting them themselves from her and and you right know. and herself also yeah. yes exactly and that they they have a feeding tube for her and then that's when um, as we're trying to pick up her hands you said that the that they're already sort of posed into the restraints here right in the right. script it is specifically because she is putting her daughter's arms into the restraints that way interesting and then she instantly finds it and 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 points to um to Carl and says who who put this here so it's not right, it's not right. a separate scene later yeah huh. That like it it makes me wonder because I think in in the book it's a little bit more like what we're seeing here mm-hmm. right now. Okay. Wow, that's a yeah, interesting that that the change he made like a, same in the book, same in the final cut of the movie, mm-hmm. but like a little bit different in in the screenplay. But then it got changed anyway. And then to, yeah, to Friedkin or somebody might be like, nah, put it the way it was, right? Like your mm-hmm. initial blush. And again, like like we want to. There are disagreements that are on record between Blatty and, and Friedkin yes. that we have, but we we want we want to find drama right where it's like like um, Friedkin overruling Blatty or Blatty overruling Friedkin, and that, you know right. there's the natural stuff that does happen in making a movie. But Blatty is the producer and the writer, so he has unique yes. control here. So if he really mm-hmm. wanted to push this, he probably could have pushed these changes in. Right, right. And there's 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 uh, a lot of evidence. There's a lot of like footage and a lot of mm-hmm. um, uh, documentation of him kind of like admitting that mm-hmm. uh, the choices that were made eventually in the movie were were right. Right. Um, so yeah, so, and we're definitely going to get to those. We haven't, we haven't come across, um, uh, uh, uh any of the big ones yet, right. but yeah. We'll, and, we'll, and Blatty, as you talked about in the Oscar episode was such a huge booster for the film. He was like, we should have won every single, like everyone on my team mm-hmm. should have won every single one of these awards. And the fact that mm-hmm. they didn't is like a sign of, of malfeasance here. Right. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like he, he, yeah, even though there are disagreements with him and Friedkin, he, mm-hmm. he, by the end it was like, yeah, Friedkin should have won best director. Like Friedkin mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He was the, he was the, the he was choice. the cheerleader for the ex. He was, right. he was the Jamie Lee Curtis of, uh, <laughs> You, of the exorcist. Yeah, you know, okay, so I don't want to go into you love you love this Jamie Lee Curtis thing so much. She I don't want is to keep... my favorite <laughs> ever. Yeah, people pointed out I, I I happen to think that 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 Jamie Lee Curtis was the best supporting actress performance of the year and she won the Oscar mm, for that ooh, night. Ooh, you are you are you are you are uh walking a walking a line <laughs> here with some with some with some listeners. I would have voted for Jamie Lee Curtis. Um mm. it was a pretty good lineup of really good actors. Um Yeah. Uh, I would have voted for Jamie Lee Curtis, but as some people have pointed out, right, she wasn't winning a lot of the early awards and that, Mm. that people, people might've been switching their support to Jamie Lee Curtis partially because of how 
great of a cheerleader she was for other people. She was rather mm. selfless in her campaign. Like she yes. was, yeah, she was like saying like, oh, I'm just surprised that people are paying attention to me. You should be paying attention to Michelle Yeoh. Like, you, yeah, like right. she, she would constantly say like- Or Kihue Kwan. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stephanie Sue, but she was constantly like, like, anything you like about my performance is because of Michelle Yeoh, right? Yes. And yeah, and like yeah. like really, really doing that. So much so that it became a meme, right? Like, like they they imitated her on SNL. <laughs> doing that. Right. And so people, you know, people responded well to that. And, and they were like, oh, well, that's just a nice- what a nice person. So I'm going to yeah. start thinking about voting for her, which, you know, in an, in an ideal world, you're not voting for the campaign, even if it's like a really nice campaign, you're voting for the performance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that yeah. throws yeah. some people off when they're like, well, what does that have to do with who, who the best mm-hmm. actress of the year is? Like how, how well she's doing in interviews, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, like, it, and then some people were arguing that it was like, it was, it was more for like a body of work as well. Sure. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know when it's when, you know when it's a um, upper, when it's a, a winner that I disagree with, I'm, I'm equally mad about that. <laughs> I just happen to agree <laughs> with. Don't get me started on this body of work right, bullshit. Right, like, like um, Russell Crowe winning for Gladiator mm-hmm. um, when it really was like people were like, oh, I really wanted to vote for him the year before, but it was Kevin Spacey in American Beauty, and I couldn't, you know, so I, I missed the chance to give it to Russell Crowe when I, you know, maybe wanted to, and then mm-hmm. he gave it to Russell Crowe for Gladiator, which is, um, you know, just not as complex for performance. Yeah, yeah. The thing I, I think for me, the the thing that got me was. She's playing just such a different character from from what she normally plays, and Absolutely. that's that's always the thing that that gets me. I mean, it's like you know me, like Keenan, like we talked about before, like like my style of acting. I love to disappear mm-hmm. and and uh, be somebody completely different. And often, literally, like if you if you could be Doug Jones' parts, right? Like um, yes. like from oh Kansas Labyrinth to The Shape of Water, where you're unrecognizable. Yeah. Like oh, that would be that would be that's my dream right, right there. Right. Yeah, is is a is a is a Doug Jones. Slash uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Deirdre Bogota uh-huh. role. <laughs> right. Like, so, you know, I would have voted for her. So I'm like, ah, eh, you guys are being sucky. Next year, it, I'll, I'll have the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this this should not stand. Anyways. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, folks. Like like Stephanie Hsu, like she did an amazing and, job. And uh, Carrie Condon in The Banshees. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, yet. yeah. That is a oh, great yeah, yeah, performance. Yeah. And Hong Chow, who's one of the what best. Mean, you don't know if I see, if did I, you I've see seen that. We talked, we talked about it on the thing. On our thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, so you all you all know me and Lester from The Exorcist, obviously, but I talk about a lot of movies. <laughs> this is like it's my job. <laughs> I, I'm very lucky. I teach film at a university. I talk about tons and tons of movies all the time. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I do forget sometimes what we this talk is, about. This is why I, um, I, I reached out to Keenan. There is only <laughs> one person who could co-host The Exorcist Minute with me, and that is Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh God! Okay, so back to our movie. I I can't stop thinking about Chris freaking out because the cross is upside down. <laughs> <laughs> like she pulled it out from under the pillow and is like, oh, "The cross I put under Reagan's pillow every night. <laughs> it's been replaced by this upside down cross." Who did this? Carl, Willie, did you put this upside down cross under Reagan's pillow? No, no. And where's the regular cross? We never. We know, we know the plan every night. <laughs> Madam, that, that cross is the same cross you're just holding. No, no. No. One of you is Don't lying. You man. <laughs> Chris just has like, like trouble with like object permanence, you know? <laughs> Howard's not even gone. He just went to the store. <laughs> Honey, I'm back with the eggs. It's like, oh, so do you think you're just going to waltz back into our lives? Is that what you think? What? Even Captain Howdy's got to be like, like, no, 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 no. We, we went over this before. I, like, like, I'm not your daughter. I'm a demon. I'm Captain Howdy. Remember? Like, Chris, Chris, you got to work with me. This, this doesn't work unless we're both on the same page, right? Burke shows up like, like, Chris, why aren't you on set? We're shooting the scene, love. And she's like, Burke, you're alive. <laughs> Tommy Louie said you were gone. <laughs> Tommy Louie Mike. <laughs> but that that's the um instead of they don't need an exorcist, they need an object permanencer. <laughs> yeah. The object permanencer. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Actually, so uh, okay, so I, I wanted to I wanted to say that that I like how 
we don't have her finding the cross intercut with her at the doctor's, right? Mm -hmm. But we do have it intercut with Kinderman Mm -hmm. finding something. So at the same time as Chris and the cross, (laughs) Chris and the cross, Mm -hmm. um, we get Kinderman and he sort of like nudges some grass with his foot and he, he, he turns away to go up the steps, but then no, hang on. And he goes back down and he bends over to pick something up. Now, firstly, there is a long span of time between him sort of nudging the grass with his shoe, turning to go up the stairs and then pausing and coming back down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you notice that? Like it it took a really long time for him to like remember what he kind of sort of maybe saw. Yeah, I love it. I I, I think it is. It's like. It's like the version of reaching into that that hole in a rock or reaching under the pillow, but it's mm-hmm. you know, it's in front of our face the entire time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I, lo- I love how slow that is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like something called him back there, mm-hmm. right? Like like he thought maybe he saw something, but then he dismissed it, mm-hmm. and then his like intuition, that famous Kinderman intuition, right? Mm-hmm. It kicks in halfway up the steps, and he goes back down and he investigates, and that's when he finds. What? What the heck is that? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay. And okay. I, My- I have not looked forward in the movie. Maybe mm-hmm. I should be doing that. I don't know. <laughs> but I think it's kind of helpful because I'm like, I don't know what we're supposed to think for a first time viewer what this is. Mm. My memory keeps on wanting to make it the Pazuzu amulet. Absolutely. Like I keep on thinking that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like even as I was watching this minute like and, and taking notes, I was like, okay, here's where he finds the Pazuzu amulet. Mm-hmm. But then I'm looking really hard at this thing. And this camera wants us to look really hard at this thing. It's it's pulling in real close. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out what this is supposed to be. It looks like something man-made, like something possibly made out of clay. Yes, but is it... But it's gray, so it looks like ancient clay, like the kind of thing we would associate with Pazuzu. Mm-hmm, it might have right? little arms. I mean, yeah. um, so I'm sorry. Some of our some of our listeners have watched the entire Exorcist more recently than me. Mm-hmm. Do we find out what this is? This is a really stupid question. Do we have <laughs> Do we have a scene later that that says what this is? I don't like. And again, folks, yeah, like I I I I read the book every Halloween. <laughs> and but do we? Yeah, do we find this out? Does he take it upstairs with him and? We're going to – Keenan, in in later episodes that, that uh, I almost said in later episodes that come later. Um, <laughs> but in later episodes, we're either going to be – we're either going to be confirmed in our confusion about this thing or we're going to be eating some crow. That's okay. Um, either way, I, I'm glad. Yeah, but it does yeah. look like a little Pazuzu head or something. Or, yeah, remember, we want it to look like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the kind of Pazuzu head that you would keep to ward off Lamash to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, At the right. same time, is this meant to be Reagan's clay? That's – the other thing that I'm thinking this could be right. like he's because he, there is a part in the book where he like he notices the bird sculpture mm-hmm. and he like scratches a little bit of paint off of it mm-hmm. and he and he like sees like a clay sample somewhere else or well maybe I'm misremembering that but like he yeah he, he pays close attention to Reagan's sculptures and he notes that they uh, they're linked in some way to the desecrations. Right. And again, so until I've been watching this and we were talking about this, it did not occur to me that that what was on those statues was clay put onto them. I have always, 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 I've seen the exorcist, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 10 times. I've mm-hmm. always, always, always thought it was some magical thing that was protruding outward from them. It's yeah. never it be, occurred to me that, yeah. that someone had tacked clay onto them. So I've never questioned what this was, I think. Yeah. Weird, weird though, because oh, what this at the bottom of the steps was. Yes. Yeah. Weird because like the movie wants us, wants to show it to us mm-hmm. so much, right. right? Like it's, it's, it's moving in and it's like, like we got the close up of his hands as he's, as he's, but like, it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm imagining uh Friedkin behind the camera being like, turn it, turn it so that mm-hmm. the camera can see. Absolutely. You know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, we can't, we can't definitively say what the heck this is that he finds. All we know is that it that it's very important, and we should we should be gasping right now. And we like are we, like, <gasps> we are comparing it right because in the script I, I couldn't find this in the script. In the script, there's mm-hmm. a um, a very brief establishing shot of Kinderman looking up at the window that comes after this mm-hmm. conversation with um, Carl. Mm, yeah. Um, so like we have it goes from the Barringer Clinic, mm-hmm. the Barringer Clinic. And foundation. <laughs> and then it goes to the McNeil house. We have the thing with the cross. And then mm-hmm. Chris is confronting Sharon and Carl about that. 
And then we have a very brief shot of um, it just says exterior house behind Kinderman looking up to Reagan's window. So right. we don't, I, unless it comes later, um, I, I couldn't find it where Kinderman is doing the scene and, and finding this clay thing in, in the, in the hay downstairs. Yeah. The straw, Weird. I suppose. Oh. So you're saying this is, so, so you're, you're saying uh, from, from the screenplay, this isn't even included. Not that I could find. Uh, maybe I've missed it somewhere where this is earlier in the day, uh, earlier in the shoot or, or later. Mm. But like in the movie, right, we get the idea that, that because of the way editing works with parallel action, right, where we have two mm-hmm. different spheres of action that we're cutting back mm-hmm. and forth from, it makes it feel like they're happening simultaneously. That they're happening simultaneously and... Okay, this is this is student Lester oh, that no. they are also related. Yeah, exactly. That there is mm-hmm. a thematic connection. If we can't figure out like how they're impacting each other, then we assume mm-hmm. that they're just related thematically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you don't, you know, if you want, if we don't want to mind going to the um, the Greek tragedy trap for a second. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> let's get into the Greek tragedy trap. <laughs> We haven't. We have, it's it's been a while since we've fallen in uh, in some traps. So <laughs> right. So the Greeks talked about in drama that there were the unities. So there were Greek mm-hmm. unities in drama, and so okay. it was the unity of action, the unity of space, or the unity of of place is what they used to call it, um, mm. and the unity of time. Mm. So if you think about like Oedipus, Oedipus uh-huh. takes place in one room. Right. So it's a unity of okay. place. Um, yeah. Even even when we have Oedipus, which uh, they talk a lot about the past and they talk about things that happen outside of the throne room, but mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all in one room. It is usually in the course of 24 hours or mm. at least on one calendar day or 24 hours. And it's all every scene is connected to each other. So it's the unity of action. It's all one thing. Everything leads to the next. There's no, there's no extraneous plot parts to it. It's the hmm. unity of space or um, used to be place because they didn't really think about space the same way, where it's right. all in the exact same location and it's all in one day. And that was what – so, you know, Medea is like that. And even like um, – oh, uh, the sequel to Oedipus that I can't think of right now um, about Oedipus's daughter. It's very good. Antigone. <laughs> oh, go, I think yeah. it's a better play than Oedipus. I was trying to – I was like, Oedipus 2. <laughs> this time it's Oedipal. <laughs> this time it's very complex. <laughs> Oh, that's very good. Yeah, Oedipus to Tokyo Drift, right? <laughs> so, so in Antigone, the Oedipenine. <laughs> sorry, in Antigone, there's a lot of dis- there's a lot of discussion of like, oh, did you? What did you just do? You went out into the field and you covered the bodies and you did all the stuff, right? But then mm-hmm. every time we talk about it, we're back in the same location because that was the rule of the unities of action and unity of space and unity of time. Um, so then, like in a Shakespeare play, right? We mm-hmm. we have adapted that. Oh no! <laughs> in a Shakespeare play, we've adapted that. So there are. It's not all that every scene adds to the next one because we have subplots. Mm-hmm. Yes. But what mm-hmm. what the what unites the subplots in Much Ado About Nothing or what have you, mm-hmm. right? Is that they're on the same theme. Mm-hmm. So so even in like Midsummer Night's Dream, right? Like we have um, a bottom who's turned into an ass and that kind of thing. Like, what right. does that have to do with um, with uh, uh, the four young lovers, et cetera? And what does it have to do mm-hmm. with Oberon mm-hmm. and Titania, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's about it's about love. It's about, like, seeing past um, people's outward appearances and, like, being in love with somebody against your will and all that stuff. So even right. though, like, Puck doesn't meet up with Hermia or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. stories are related because it's about it's about love finding a way or, or, being, or falling in love with the wrong person. Or Oberon mm-hmm. and Titania they want to be at war with each other as God and goddess, but they love each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a unity of theme. So Mm. even in movies, right. Which then we then, you know, the big, the big jump forward in American movies, like in DW Griffith's time was parallel action Mm. that we could have Mm. these things that are happening in Washington, DC and happening in, in, in the South at the same time in the birth of a nation. And we would, we would make the connection between them just by the fact of, of, of cutting between them. So we would say, like, okay, these things must, because of the way that film works, they, they, they must be unified in some way. So they must be, if, if we don't see them causing each other, they must have some relation to each other, right? They must right. be thematically similar or aesthetically similar or something, or else why are we watching them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and there we go, like with the uh, causation versus co-relation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't think we're being told that like Kinderman downstairs is causing Chris to find the crucifix or vice versa. No. Right. Right. Exactly. But we, we intuit that they must be related or we would not be cutting back and forth like this. 
Right. They must have right. some thematic relationship or or they will they will, you know, we call it parallel action in cinema, even though mm-hmm. the point is that they the whole reason we would do parallel action is that they're eventually going to converge. Mm. So eventually they will not be parallel. So it's kind of a dumb term. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so it's like by their nature they will momentary parallel action. <laughs> right. By their nature they're going to intersect with each other. But yeah, these two yes. different spheres of action are going to combine and then when they do, we'll go, Oh my god, these two different spheres of action that I've been keeping in my head, they have they have they have thrust into each other and blown something mm-hmm. up. I thought they were parallel. <laughs> right. The film theorist tells me that they're oh. parallel. This is the new math. <laughs> right. They're they're actually perpendicular. Right, no, exactly. not not perpendicular, but they're they're intersecting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. You were you were talking about um about how in Oedipus uh, everything takes place in one room. Mm-hmm. I really really like that, right? Um, and then I was comparing it to uh, another another fine uh, masterpiece mm-hmm. um, where where uh, it doesn't all take place in one room mm-hmm. um, called the room. <laughs> it's not just a room; it's the room. No. <laughs> But it's uh, yeah, it, not as good as Oedipus. Now, now that I'm coming to find. Now you say that, but which would you rather watch right now? <laughs> if I'm like, <laughs> we only have two DVDs, <laughs> yeah, Oedipus Rex or The Room, <laughs> and we have to watch one, or you can't get your paycheck or something, right? Oh, well, I mean, come on, yeah, <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> like you'd rather watch Cats than than Oedipus yeah. Rex. Oh no, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if if I'm being really, really honest, yeah. I'd rather watch like actual real cats, just you know, <laughs> just just playing in playing in a in a in a series of mazes that you didn't build them, oh, Keenan. God, oh God, I'm a bad cat daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was I was the um I was the drummer for Bad Cat Daddy as well. <laughs> that's a ooh, you you gotta you gotta put that in your pocket somewhere. That's a that's a bad cat daddy. Mm. Yeah, my favorite podcast, uh, Stuff You Should Know, they keep track of – or actually, they have some of their fans keep track of that. Like when they, they mm-hmm. accidentally list a, or say a, a really great band name or um, some motto that should be on a T-shirt. So they have some giant database. That does that. All right. Well, folks, listen, listeners, um, uh, Bad Cat Daddy, I think <laughs> – is like my favorite thing of this whole episode now. <laughs> All right. And it doesn't even, it's not even in the episode. There are no cats it's, in the exorcist. There are no cats in the exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, before we can get a clearer idea of what we're seeing, the camera cuts away and we're back in the McNeil house. Um, we have cut from Kinderman to a door, which opens to reveal Chris. She is coming out of Reagan's room. And as she closes the door, um, she looks up to see a very guilty Carl uh, hurrying away. I, let, let me say a guilty-looking Carl. He appears to seem guilty, um, hurrying away down the stairs. Why does he look so guilty? Or is that just our perception of the situation? Uh, because we are with Chris, and we are now suspicious of everyone in the house, mm-hmm. right? Um, but madam, that we'll is to- just my face. <laughs> madam, yes. <laughs> this is, I have resting guilt face. <laughs> Actually, I have resting Carl face. I am my own emotion. (laughs) But uh, folks, we'll have to wait until next time for the answer to that question and even more to come. Uh, But for now, that's all my notes. Keenan, is there anything else we missed? No, I think we got it. Okay, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz, and you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. And we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join. We'll let you in here with us. That's on Facebook. Um, and yeah, thanks again, everyone to ha- uh, everyone who has uh, shared uh, the show uh, by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on iTunes or, or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. That's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like yourself. Okay, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the, the power, power of Bad Cat Daddy compels you. Daddy compels you.